Lord be with you. So we're in a series on disciples. What is a disciple? See, we're just, we're just going with it. Trying to cover the basics of what, what is it to follow Jesus, to believe in Jesus. And last week, one of the kids, I think it was Zion, asked the question, what's a rabbi? And I said, huh, I better use an example they know. Do you like how I'm pretending you didn't hear any of this before? Now you've done flustered me. <laughs> and I said, you know in Star Wars how there's Jedi and there's Jedi Masters and the Jedi Masters are sensitive to the Force, the ways of the Force. They've studied and trained. I didn't say all this, but I'm elaborating now. They've studied and trained for years in the ways of the Force. And it's not just, oh, I, I, I have the ability to like dodge laser blasts. no. No, to be a Jedi is to enter into strict training and learn a way of being in the world where your life is oriented to being 100% devoted to the Force. And if you're a Jedi master, you're not just someone skilled in this, but you're someone who's qualified to train others in the way of the Force. And the people you train are called Padawans. Padawan learners are disciples. Jedi masters are like rabbis. The force is the Holy Spirit. Lightsabers are like our spiritual gifts. But interestingly enough, they also defend with the lightsaber, so it's also their shield of faith. So anyway. And then after I said some of that, I said, boy, Kate would be real proud of me. And then I got in church and said the wrong words, and now she's not proud of me. But you are wearing, you are representing by wearing your shirt today, right? I do like Star Trek. That's, that's, I'm, if it's science fiction-y, I like it, usually. And you know what the difference between fantasy and science fiction is? Fantasy has trees on the cover of the book. Science fiction has rivets, and that's the only difference. I can't think of any other differences. Okay. Disciples of Jesus do four things. We are four things, at least, just at least. We are learners. It's a life of learning. We are learners. Disciples of Jesus are learners. Disciples of Jesus are doers. We're doers, right? This isn't about head knowledge and information. There's not going to be a, an examination on Judgment Day, right? The gospel's designed not to just give us uh, the right answer to some arbitrary question, but we're doers, we're learners, we're doers, we're servants. That is, to be a disciple of Jesus means that you've signed up to actually obey Jesus. We're, we're servants and we're friends. We're friends of Jesus. So disciples do four things. We're learners, we're doers, we're servants and we're friends. Number one, learners. Um, when, when you start to learn about a new field or a new topic, at the beginning, when you, when you just start to learn and you get a big picture, sometimes when you're in the 101 class, just learning the basics, you know just enough to congratulate yourself and think that now you know basically everything. Have you noticed this? Learners at the beginning sometimes imagine 
I've got that covered. I took the first class. I now know it. I took, a, I took a basic theology class, so now I know that, and I can move on. <clears throat> experts who know 50 times more than that, the true experts actually know that beyond what they know, which is like encyclopedic, beyond what they know is way more that they don't know. So the true experts actually feel like beginners, and so sometimes people who push themselves forward as follow me, I know what I'm doing, are totally unqualified. And sometimes people who say don't follow me, I don't know what I'm doing, are totally qualified. Do you hear what I'm saying? Let me say it again. Sometimes people who know just enough to get themselves in trouble don't yet know what they ought to know. And they say follow me, I know what I'm doing. And sometimes people who say don't follow me, follow Jesus know a hundred times more and should be the ones we're following. Because the more you learn, the more you understand, the more you also understand how much more there is and how much further you have to go. And, and in f- faith in Jesus puts us, following Jesus puts us in a position where our whole life, we keep the posture of hungry, inquisitive, interested, learning, growing, changing, seeing, exploring. To be a disciple is to be a student, a learner, a lifelong learner. And there's always more to know. There's always more to grow. There's always more to see. And so I I wonder if you can remember, some of you are new Christians, some of you are are Christians who've been maybe five years, some of you have been walking after Jesus 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. Maybe I could ask you this question. Are you still growing? Are you still searching? Are you still learning? Are you still exploring? Or did you plateau? Have you stopped? Have you stopped seeking? Have you stopped learning and asking and knocking? Because if you have, you stopped being a disciple, at least in that sense. Because disciples are always learners. By definition, that's what, it, that's what we are. We're students. We're Padawans. And there's, I don't care who you are, there's somebody out there more godly than you who can teach you to know Jesus better. Yeah. Including Jesus, could we say that? Because he's not dead. Nope. He's here. Hi, Jesus. You want to say hi to him? You can. Yeah, he's right here. It's not far. So learners, lifelong learners. But it's not just learning, right? It's not information. I'm not saying go to more and more conferences, go read more and more books, listen to more and more podcasts. The point of all the learning is what? It's what you do with it. So we're, we're not here just for information. To be a disciple of Jesus means we're, we are invested. I didn't, I didn't decide to follow Jesus because I thought the topic seemed interesting. My life, my life mattered. And I'm trying to figure out how to live. I need to figure out how to be in the world. I'm facing sin and death. I'm facing, is my life significant? I'm trying to figure out how can I, can, how, how can I do the will of God? Like, I'm desperately wanting to not waste my life. So I'm a lifelong learner, 
but also a doer. So when I say lifelong learner, I don't mean more and more and more and more and more and more content, more and more information, more and more podcasts, more and more books, more and more conferences, more and more stuff, more and more meetings, more and more information. Actually, I might not mean that. I might mean slowing down and going back to what I've already studied many, many times, staying real basic and relearning it till I actually can live it, put it into practice. So to be a disciple of Jesus is number one, to be a learner, but it's number two, it's to be a doer. Some of the most basic truths of the whole gospel, some of the most basic truths of the Christian life need to go back to them, stay close to them until I'm doing them. And but what do you, how do you do the love of God, guys? Like 101, God loves you. 101, God loves you. Your life has value to the Father. He gave his son. How, how do you be a lifelong learner of that? How do you be a doer of that? You sit with it. You sit with it. You spend time daily with it. You, you talk to him about it. You, stay, you don't grow past it. You stay rooted in it. So to be a doer of something like God loves me, you sit with it. You tell him about it every single day. You start your day talking to God about it. Thank you, Jesus, that you made me. Thank you that you love me. Here's what I am owed. I was headed this way. This is where my life was going. This is what I deserve. I was headed to a lake of fire. I was headed to complete darkness. I was headed to a life of selfishness and sin. I was stuck in sexual sin. I was a liar. I was a thief. And I deserved where I was headed. I earned the death I was stuck in in life that was going in for eternity. And you grabbed hold of me. You came after me, Jesus. You took the crown of thorns for Tim. You got, you got whipped across the back for Tim. You were disfigured. You were rejected. They slapped you across the face and said, prophesy Christ. Who hit you? They did it for Tim. They did it. They, you did it for Tim because you love me. You spend time with the simple truths. To say we're lifelong learners does not mean we need to go get a PhD in theology. It means we need to get a PhD in prayer and loving God and people. Amen. Right? Amen. We cannot afford to, to, to study more hours a day than we pray. And we cannot afford to pray without faith. Because the answer is not prayer, guys. You're not, as, you're not doing as, as well as you're praying hard. You're doing as well as you're believing. Prayer only works if faith is involved. Amen. So, learners, doers, a life of learning, a life of applying what we're learning. Going slow, by the way. Going slow, going deep. Staying with the basics till they're in your life, then adding another layer, rather than rushing to the next entertaining idea. In the, in the book of Acts, Paul goes to the city of Athens and he stands up in this place called the Areopagus where these intellectuals constantly gather every day to be entertained with ideas. It says, now the people of Athens, all they ever wanted to do was sit around and talk about the newest thing. All they were interested in is the newest thing. Remind you of any other cultures that you know about? How about America? How about social media? How about us? All we're interested in is the newest thing, the trending topic. And it says that that's what they were interested in Athens. 
It's real hard to square that cultural. That's, that's what I would call a cultural disability, a culture that makes it difficult to be a healthy person as you are shaped and formed by it. We're not, I'm not, please, please try to fight against that. The, the newest thing, the newest idea, the newest show, the newest clothes, the newest thing, the newest thing, the newest thing. It's all the newest thing. I'm interested in following Jesus. Not being entertained by teachings about Jesus. I'm interested in knowing Jesus, not having read all the latest books about Jesus. I'm interested in worshiping and serving Jesus faithfully, deeply, so that my life has hope and peace and joy, so that the burdens I'm carrying, I know how to hand them off to him. Learners, doers, servants, servants. I I feel like there's a generation that is so used to hearing how much that they're loved and how awesome they are and how special they are that that the gospel that we're presenting to them isn't helping them live deeply because they're still selfish and self-centered. And, 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 and with, without a death to self and without a, a heart posture of, I'm not here to do my will. I don't belong to myself anymore. My problem is me. I'm trying to get free of me in charge of my life because that's what makes us so miserable. Selfishness on the throne is a disordered heart that leads to a disordered life, and that disordered life has all sorts of horrifying consequences that make our lives painful, full of anxiety and depression and resentment, full of insecurity and backbiting, full of pain that doesn't need to be there. And if love, if love was my motive, if, if I could learn in, from Jesus in the school of love how to navigate life, I could be free of so many things that ensnare me. But the, but the posture has to be, point number one, I don't exist for me, and I don't exist today to do my will. I wake up in the morning and I say, today, I belong to you, Jesus. I don't know what I ought to know. I don't think what I ought to think. I've learned the wrong values from, an, from a completely deceived culture, from a, from a broken family I grew up in, from a broken culture I grew up in. I'm so wrong that what I think is good and true and right is wrong, that what I think is light is actually darkness. And so Jesus has to be the one from whom I am learning what to think, what is true, what is real, what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is evil. What priorities do I need? This is why disciples of Jesus are not people who put on a little backpack of, of fire insurance so that when they fall out of the plane of life and die, then they end up in heaven instead of the other place. That's not, that's not Christianity. Christianity is following Jesus in life because we're convinced that he's the happiest person who's ever lived. We're convinced that he's the wisest, smartest person who's ever lived, who knows better than anyone how life works best. We're convinced that he's living the good life. Because I'm telling you right now, whoever you look up to, whoever you think is the people, are the people on planet Earth living the good life, those are the people you'll trust and you'll look to and say, yeah, I know that I have to obey this Jesus guy because, you know, he'll, he'll, you know he's in charge. It's too bad he's in charge. And I got to obey him because there's consequences if I don't. But, but you know who I really think is living the good life? Those people over there. 
That's not discipleship. That's deception. Jesus is actually so loving. He is so loving that he, he believes that if you find a better way to live than the one he's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, he'd like you to take it. He has no desire to control you. And he has no need. He has no need to control you. Everything he has to say to you has to do with wanting you to thrive. Whenever he gives a command, it's because he has your interests at heart, your well-being at heart. God is actually very unselfish. The consequences of disobeying God are horrible, but it's not because he's out there making bad things happen to people who disobey him. It's that he's explaining how life actually works, how the moral universe actually works, how the spiritual universe is set up. Right, go back to the tree. Does he say, in the day you eat of it, I will surely smack you? Or does he say, that tree's poisonous, please don't eat it. So we have to take, if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, and there's plenty of people who say they believe in Jesus who aren't, but we have to take the attitude of, who, who's living the good life? And if your answer isn't Jesus from the heart, not your head, not your Sunday school answer, but your actual heart, if your answer from the heart is not Jesus is living the good life, he's the happiest person who's ever lived, he's the smartest person who's ever lived, he knows best how my heart is designed to work, he knows how relationships are designed to work, he knows what's going to make me enter into joy and peace and rest better than anyone else. He's the person I trust with my life the most. If he's not the one you trust, then whoever else you do instead of him is really your rabbi. And you're a disciple of that, not him. But a Christian, a disciple, is someone who has said, you know what? I don't know what I ought to know, but I trust Jesus to help me get there. I'm looking to him. I'm talking to him. I'm following him. Every day, I'm taking the attitude of a servant. Jesus, even Jesus took this attitude when he was in the flesh, by the way, guys. Not my will, he said, but yours be done. I haven't come to do my will. I haven't come to do my will. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. His whole attitude in life was, I'm just here to line up with heaven, even if it hurts. Because, you know, you can, you can go after short-term pleasure and, and get long-term pain, or you can go after long-term joy. And in the short term, the cost will be high, but the benefit will be just incredible. And I'm not even talking about the eternal benefit yet. I'm just talking about the long-term transformation that happens in who we become. You throw eternity in there, it starts to get real clear. Servants. Well, I'll say all three. Learners, doers, servants. And then finally, friends. Friends. There's only one one thing in life that's blessed. Let's just talk about the word blessed real quick. Do you know what the word blessed means? Blessed? It means happy. It means happy. Everybody wants to be happy. Yeah, I know. Christians don't like the word happy. Oh, they prefer the word joy. And that way they can be grumpy and tell me that they have joy. Yeah, because they just distinguish it in such a way that they get to not be happy and then they can pretend they have joy. It's just really annoying. It's just like when we ask, who do, who do you need to forgive? And we all say, nobody, I'm good. I love everybody. 
Well, who hurt you? I got a list of 17 people. Okay, it's the same question. And you know what? It's our job to help. It's our job to help each other realize uh, you're carrying some hurt, dude. You're carrying some hurt. You know, when, when we allow Jesus into the pain, it makes it a lot easier to forgive. When we are religious in saying to someone who's totally destroyed emotionally that if they don't forgive, but then they're going to go to hell, that's not helpful. God won't forgive you if you don't forgive them. Okay, well, let me, let me rephrase that. You won't allow God's love in if you won't forgive them. And let me help walk you through how to let the Lord into that pain. Because he was there and he was good and he's not the one who did it. And a lot of us blame God for the stuff that a broken world does to us. Right? That was a little sidebar. But there's only one thing in life that's blessed. There's only one thing in life that's blessed. Everybody wants to be blessed. Everybody wants to be happy. But there's only one path that will actually get us to the lasting happiness for which we were made. Do you know what it is? Don't just say God. That's a Sunday school answer. It's Jesus. You know, that whole, hey, what's small, has a big puffy tail, runs around in trees and eats nuts. And then, and then the kid says, I know the answer should be Jesus, but it really sounds like you're saying it's talking about a squirrel. <laughs> There's only one thing that's blessed, you guys. And you never have to ask God to be, you never have to ask to be blessed. There's only one thing that's, that's blessed, and it's God's will. If you'll, instead of saying, God, will you bless me, just say, God, will you help me Will you help me do your will? You'll be blessed if you do it. And there's one, there's one group of people that Jesus will say, you're my friends. And you know who it is? I could not have said that better. The ones doing the Father's will. The servants. The, the surefire way to end up being genuinely God's friends rather than people who at conferences sing about how we are God's friends while we go home and do whatever we want with our lives which is deception. The only way to actually be God's friends is to take the posture of servants. If we'll take the posture of, I'm just here to do your will. I'm just here to do your will. I'm not here to do my will. I get to wake up every day and be a temple of the Holy Spirit. I just want to do your will. I want to walk with you today. I don't want to do or think or say or click on or anything that would displease you today. I just want to do your will. Guess what? That's the person that Jesus pulls up off the ground. You kneel him for me. You go, I just want you today. I just want to follow you. Just fill me. Help me. I want to walk with you. That's the person he'll pick up and say, friend, friend, I got so much to say. I got so much to share with you. You know, I have this little quote. Well, let me back up. I'm going to give you three quotes. I'm really trying to finish the sermon here right now. You can't feel it but I can feel it. St. Augustine of Hippo said, uh, no, it's not Hippopotamus, by the way. It was a city in North Africa, but I always like to picture that. You know, St. Augustine, who owned a hippo? No, he did not. St. Augustine said, love God and do as you please. Say it again. Love God and then do whatever you want. What did he mean? If you, yeah, so love God and do what you want means 
genuine love for God. Say it again. So the love God portion involves my desires have been shifted. To say you love God and then live in sin is a contradiction, isn't it? So when people take Augustine out of context, it's like, no, think, what is he actually saying? And what is he, what is he saying? Here's the way to be changed. Love God. If you can learn to love God, it will transform everything about, about from the inside out. Oh, yes. Did Jesus not say this? Make the tree good and the fruit will be good. Yes. So the whole thing with Jesus is he's, he's about intimacy. He's about closeness. He's about deep, 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 deep motives of your heart. He's not about mowing the weeds. He's not about restraining the outward expression of my sin. He wants to go all the way to the root, which is why he says, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery, but I say if you harbor lust in your heart, you've committed adultery in the heart. Is his point, well, if you lust, it's just as bad as if you did it, so you might as well do it. No, that's not his point. His point is, if if you get rid of the root of lust, if you can see your brother or sister as a brother or sister and see them through the lens of the Father's heart, you'll never have the problem with committing adultery because that adultery is an outward fruit of that inward root. And when he says, you've heard it said, uh, you shall not murder, but I tell you, if you harbor resentment in your heart, you're committing murder in your heart. He's not saying, either way, it's just the same. You might as well kill him. He's saying, if you want to get free, you can't just mow the weeds. Let's go. Let, let, let me deal with your heart. Let me work you through forgiveness. Let me let you see, again, see them through the lens of the Father's heart. Why? Because Jesus is a rabbi. He's training us how to live in the freedom, joy, and peace of the kingdom. That's what it means to be a disciple. So St. Augustine of Hippo, love God and do as you please. St. Bill Johnson of Reading said, no, you don't have to laugh. That's just a true statement. 500 years from now, that's what they'll be saying. The enlightened ones, the rude, stupid ones will still be saying, he's the heretic. And they'll be saying that about me too. If I do my, if I do my part, and, I, and I, if, I, if I really am faithful, I might earn that badge of honor of being slandered. It's good times. St. Bill Johnson of Reading said, if you renew your mind, you don't have to watch your mouth. What did he mean? Your mind will control your mouth if you let it. Out of the mouth, says Jesus, comes the abundance of the... Again. If we'll go deep with Jesus, take the posture of a servant and learn from him and let, walk close with him, guess what's going to happen? We'll be his friends. Amen. Following Jesus is impossible. Unless you do it every day. Amen. And then it's not. Amen. I still say that I'm done. It's really, I mean, I said I was finishing three minutes ago. but St. Tim Miller of Seaford said... Um, We'll never look like Jesus until we learn to see like Jesus. What did he mean? It's too bad we can't ask him what he meant. We'll never look like Jesus until we learn to see like Jesus. 
It means it's not about copying Jesus. It's about allowing his perspective to transform our perspective. It means it's all the battle is up in here and what I believe. What I believe. I mean, people literally think that Jesus is a bunch of rules and Christians are just a bunch of hypocrites and the Bible is just a bunch of racist, sexist, outdated foolishness. That's how deceived by Satan they are. They don't see the beauty of God's love, the purity and power of Jesus, the incredible, redeeming, life-changing, life-changing power of the scriptures, and they don't even see the value of the church. They just see the flaws. And a lot of that comes from when somebody holds up a standard and light, our own sin makes us insecure, and then we defend ourselves by attacking the thing that is shining a light. Or as Jesus said, all who do evil hate the light. And I'm not suggesting that the whole church is the light. The church needs a lot of repentance. And the church, we as the church need to walk in repentance, not walk in condemnation toward others. The world's not our problem. The world's, we're here to love the world, not judge the world. And if we'll lead the way and show how good the opportunity to repent really is, maybe somebody will say, oh, I can do it too if they can do it. How about this? You ever heard of this guy? Jesus of Nazareth said, happy are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What did he mean? If I said you'll never look like Jesus till you see like Jesus, and Jesus said, here's how you see, pure in heart is required. Okay, that's homework. And I have lots more notes, and we're skipping them all. There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother, Proverbs 18.24. I, I really, really, really want people to encounter the real Jesus so deeply that if they ever do fall away from the faith, they miss him. I met, a, I met a man last year online, just through the Facebook stuff, the weird universe we live in. And he's, a, of the, he's of the opinion that he used to be a Christian, and he's no longer a Christian. And as I had conversation with him, his, the version of Christianity he has walked away from is not good news. I don't think he walked away from my Jesus. I think he walked away from a worldview associated with Jesus. And I said, don't you miss the Lord? And he said, nah, I just, I just feel so good not to feel guilty anymore. Now I can just believe science. And I'm like, everything you believe about science, I believe. And I'm just so happy that I get this. And I'm like, I don't believe that either. Everything you've rejected, I rejected right away when I came to faith. Jesus untaught me all that stuff that you just, man, you're, you're, he's, missed, he's missed the treasure, which is God. The dude's smart. He's a smart dude. But he didn't have a close relationship with Jesus. He had a little bit of a worldview and rules and morals and ideas and theology and creeds. Not, not the Lord, not the actual Lord. 
I, I really, really, really want us to know Jesus so well that if we do ever lose our faith, we miss him. We miss him. Otherwise, it's just like an inoculation. Do you know what I mean? Like you go to church to get just enough Christianity that, and you think you know what it is. Like I said in the beginning, when you're, when you're just starting out and you learn the basics and then you imagine that you're now an expert and you actually are an, an ignorant beginner, you just enough church to think you know what is going on and you haven't seen beneath the surface and you don't understand what you're judging and rejecting and talking about. You're rejecting something that's so beautiful because you've never even understood it. Just enough faith to be inoculated against ever getting the real thing. Just enough. So I'm against that vaccine. That one. I just thought I'd bring that up to make everyone, everyone uncomfortable. Oh, boy. You know, I remember when um, Penn Clark came years ago. So I think it was probably the first, maybe the first time he ever came to Gateway. And something he said that just really stuck out to me was, every disciple of Jesus is a believer. But not every believer is a disciple. And I was like, I mean, his teaching was just, it, it just really hit me because I don't know how all of you are, but I feel like in the Christian life, you, you still have struggles. And one of my one of the struggles that I have had so much over the years has been in my thoughts, my mind. And, um, you know, you hear the battlefield of the mind, and, and it really is a battlefield. But one of the things that I found, too, is that when I have been the most victorious over my thoughts is when I've been a disciple. And when Adam was here, he was talking about, I just got so many really good nuggets from him that I've listened to over and over again. And he said something along the lines of, um, if you're dealing with an offense or you know anger or whatever, then you're, there's still a spot that you're not as close to Jesus as you could be. Yep. And I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, kind of hurt a little. Not hurt, but you, know, you just feel that little, ooh. Okay, so there's a, there's a place where I'm not as close to Jesus as I could be, get me there. And that has kind of, that's, just in the last week, I've just seen a difference in the way that I'm processing things and, and thinking about things and seeing people. Um, it has helped a lot. And just that renewing of my mind has to be, for me, <laughs> on a daily basis. If you hear me saying things that aren't very nice or yelling at my kids or whatever, you know you know, <laughs> I ain't been in the word. I've not been renewing my mind. I'm not as close to Jesus as I could be. So you'll never hear me bashing. Please don't ever hear that from me because I'm, I'm there. I'm like walking this journey You're out. Saying, if you hear that in me, tell me. Yeah, yeah, if you do, because that's certainly my heart is, I, it grieves me to see people that are struggling emotionally because I've been there. I, I know what it feels like. I, I know that darkness. I know that hopelessness. I know that fear and that anxiety. I, I just do. 
Um, and I think, and I know that it has helped me to give grace to others. When people are in horrible pain, I know what that's like. I have a lot of love and compassion towards them. I don't want to see them in pain. So if, if you're sitting here today, like the word hopeless has been going through my mind over like the last couple weeks, um, more of a, like a, a, a word that there are people that are struggling. And, and if that's you, man, the Lord wants to meet you. He wants to get really, really close mm -hmm. if you'll allow him. Because there's just places that we're carrying, wounds that we're carrying, hurts, fears, offenses, that the Lord has said, you don't have to do that. I'm, I'm right here. Bring me closer. So I just, I want to share that with you. If, if you are in that place where you just need somebody to put a hand on you and pray over you and, and help break off some lies or fears, which are lies, um, please come forward. I know Stan's coming up. Carl, will you come up too? Teresa? Um, Carrie gave me a prayer assignment too. I wondered why you were back up here. Yeah. Carrie said, uh, it would be silly for me to say the things that I've said and not give opportunity for us, for anyone to say, I, I want to be a disciple. I don't just want to vaguely have an idea in my head about Jesus. Oh, I prayed a prayer one time or whatever. Oh, I'm a Christian, sure. No. So I would like to pray yeah. now a prayer of surrender and an invitation for the Lord to respond to that. So just pray with me, okay? Lord, I surrender my life to you. I take my hands off the wheel of my own heart and I say, I direct it towards you now. I need you to teach me how to live. I need you to love me. I need you to wash me clean. I need you to sort out my life story for me, my past, my fear of the future, the hurts. I need you to tell me who I am and what my place in this world is. I need you to help me navigate my day to day. Jesus, I choose to come follow you daily. I wanna be your disciple, I wanna know you. Show me. I want to learn how to love. I enroll on purpose in the school of love. Teach me to become love. Not just talk about love, but love, to do it, to walk in it from the heart. You died for me, and I choose to say yes to it. You died for me so I could live now in this life. And I say yes to it. Amen. Okay. Stan, you got anything? Yeah, I do. My thigh, right during kid's moment, got really hot. So if anybody's been having problems with, with their right thigh, I'd like you for you to come up here so I can pray for it. 